Here's today's God Heals Hurting Marriages with Charlene Steinkamp. I'm excited that I get to spend a few minutes with you today just talking about a topic that sometimes we can try to stuff aside and try to ignore, and that's anxiety and worry. I consider myself a positive person. I feel like I can normally contort the facts to see the glass half full, even when it's broken and shattered on the floor. I usually try to look for the silver lining in every situation. And since I'm generally positive, I was curious about what was going on when I noticed myself getting anxious about things that were out of my control. I should probably mention here that while I am a positive person, it's probably due in part to the fact that I am a control freak. It's easy to be positive when I control things. It is when I find myself not in control that I can find worry creeping in. When my future rests on the shoulders of someone else, I can feel that anxiousness rising up in me. Recently in the news, it was reported that a 30-year-old pastor in California took his own life after struggling with anxiety and depression for years. When you look at pictures of him with his family or at the pulpit, it's hard to imagine what he could have been facing and what was weighing so heavily on him that would cause him to commit suicide. Only the Lord knows what is really going on in the mind of a person, and that's important for us to remember. Before I go any further, let me say that depression and anxiety is a real thing. It can be very severe for some people, even requiring medication. And there's no shame in seeking professional help. The Lord has equipped so many wonderful mental health professionals. There's medications and there's therapies and there's counseling. Help is out there. So if you're suffering with debilitating depression, do not let pride keep you from seeking help. Even speaking with a professional may be enough to help encourage you and to get you to that next step where you can begin to be happy again. It breaks our heart as a ministry when people reach out to us and they mention suicide. For one thing, it's because we're responsible to send help to you immediately in case you are seriously considering taking your own life. But you don't have to suffer with thoughts of suicide. Get help. You are no less of a follower of Christ if you seek help for depression, and I want you to understand that clearly today. With that being said, today I want to talk about worry. At some point in your life, you're going to find yourself dealing with worry and anxiety. In the Bible, we can find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says that he was troubled. He was praying and he was troubled because he knew what was coming. He knew the great price that was going to be paid in just a few days with his life. Let me read from Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. 
think about some of the trials that you've faced in the past. Can you imagine if you were like Jesus and you knew ahead of time what you were going to be facing? I would be so overwhelmed with just the thought of knowing what was coming. It's like when you go to the doctor and you're anxious about the shot that you know you're going to get or you're having surgery and you know the pain that's going to happen afterwards. So many of our trials come at us without any notice and we have no knowledge of what's actually coming. You could probably think back on some of the trials that you have faced and feel a sense of pride because you survived that and you're still standing today. We need to understand that we all handle adversity differently. Some of you are burdened with figuring out how you're going to pay for medical bills. Some of you are facing foreclosure on your home. I know many of you are without income and praying that God will intervene with employment. You may have a court date coming up. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You need to understand that Jesus loves you and he cares for you. I've had times in my life where I wondered if God really cared for me. I've wondered if he did care for me so much, why do I have to go through these hard times? Why do I have to be worried about this situation or that situation? I've shared before about the fact that we lost our fifth child. I was pregnant with my second set of twins. We were very excited about adding our fourth and fifth child to our family. And what seemed like a normal pregnancy ended in heartbreak when in the delivery room, a neonatologist came in with my husband following closely behind her and told me that my son had been wrapped in the umbilical cord when he was born and he didn't survive. We were shocked. We didn't even know how to process it for those first few hours because everything had been perfect. And something that had never crossed my mind was something I was suddenly overwhelmed with. And that was worry and fear about losing another child. It was so far out of the realm of possibility that I never even considered it. And here I was dealing with the facts that our son had just died. I remember in those first days after we got home that I felt like I had an excuse or a reason to kind of check out of normal life. I was recovering from surgery. I had a newborn. I was grieving my son. I had all of the logistics to go through in his memorial service and his burial. And it was easy to not look like I was filled with worry. But months down the road, when life was getting back to normal and it was time to continue on and I should be doing better in some areas of life, I still found myself battling the enemy. He would seem to whisper to me, no one will blame you for checking out. Just stay home. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to have friends. You don't need to hang out with your family. It would have been so easy for me to withdraw and to isolate myself and to give a logical reason of why I was doing that to those who would ask why. But I realized that my worry and my anxiety that I was facing was not going to go away by me retreating. I figured out that I needed to obey what the Lord was telling me to do. And when he tells us that we are to be with other people and that we are to 
have iron sharpen iron and how we can grow from the knowledge other people have. That's what I needed. And I jumped back into the ministries at church. I jumped back into my responsibilities as a wife and as a mother. And I started to see God heal my life and heal the worry and heal the wounding that I had in my heart. It seems so simple when you're going through struggles and you're dealing with worry and anxiety. When someone says, just pray, lean on God, depend on him. He's there for you. But when we really start to understand what that means and we wrap our head around it, we understand that we have a heavenly father that loves us so much. He cares for us so much. He hurts that we are hurt. He sees everything we're going through. And he loves us so much that he can turn those things around to be used for his glory. And when we start to look at it through heavenly glasses instead of through earthly glasses, we can see the purpose that exists so often when we go through those struggles. In last week's podcast, my mom talks about the days following my dad's return home and the months and the first couple of years didn't look exactly how she had hoped it would look. But God used those hardships and those trials to totally bring healing to the family, to bring healing to that marriage. And most importantly, so that God could be glorified because he was glorified through the things that looked kind of ugly at the time. And I know that God can do that today for the struggles that you're facing. James 1, starting in verse 2 speaks about trials and temptations. Verse two begins, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That verse alone will make you put a giant question mark in the Bible, because how can we have joy when we face trials of many kinds? Joy is not just a smile plastered on your face, but joy is something that comes from deep within you. Let's continue in verse three. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind." I have felt like a boat that has been blown and tossed by the wind many times when I've allowed worry to overwhelm me, when I've taken my eyes off Jesus and what he has already accomplished and what I know he can accomplish. And that is a daily struggle sometimes. There are seasons of life where it is difficult to get out of bed in the morning because you just feel overwhelmed with what you have to face. There are seasons of life where you wish you could just press fast forward and advance through some of the struggles and trials that are heading your way. I understand that. I want you to know that God understands that. And he knows that every day, especially with some of the trials that you're dealing with, is not going to be easy. Let me read verse four again. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, 
not lacking anything. That's where I want to be. I want to be mature and complete in the Lord. I don't want to lack anything. I heard somebody speak recently about worship, and they were talking about people that were worshiping and very expressive in their worship. On their faces, you could see that they were in a time of worship with the Lord. You could tell through their body language that they were in worship and connecting with the Lord. And then you could look down the row and see people who looked overwhelmed and who looked burdened, who looked unhappy, some who looked almost angry. And the question was asked, what was the difference between these two people and their spirit? And the answer that was given is that when you're worshiping and you're expressive and when you are just connecting with the King of Kings, it's because you truly believe what you're singing, what you're saying, what you're doing. You truly believe the words of the Lord. You truly believe that God is God. He is good at being God. He makes no mistakes. Nothing you are going through today is a mistake. It hurts. And Jesus Christ would not have you go through so much of this, but he has allowed this for a season and he is good at being God. And we can rest in that today. We can cast our cares on him, knowing that he truly does care for us. I graduated a year ago into full-fledged middle age by getting my first pair of bifocals. I started noticing that when I would read a book, I had to hold it further and further out, and I was not seeing things as clearly when I was driving. The computer seemed to be a struggle. So I went to the eye doctor and got the news that it was time to finally get the bifocals. As soon as I put them on, I expected to be able to see everything clearly again. But it didn't happen that way. And if you've had bifocals before, you understand what I'm talking about. It takes a few days to get used to the difference in the lenses. It takes a few days to figure out where your eye should look when you're reading something or where your eye should look when you're looking off into the distance. I feel as if I have a camera lens in my eyes now because I'm able to just shift my eyes a little bit and change what I'm focusing on. And as I was trying to figure out where to put my eyes and where to position my head as I was reading an article in a magazine the other day, it occurred to me that that is what my life should look like. What I'm focusing on is what I'm going to see clearly. And I can choose every day to focus on the things that bring me worry, the things that overwhelm me, the circumstances that I'm facing, or I can choose to focus on my Savior. Focusing on my Savior doesn't mean that I don't have to go through some of those bad circumstances, but it means that I can look at them with Him by my side, knowing that He is in control and trusting that and believing that and letting those around me see that I do believe that God is good. Have you ever fed your children vegetables and tried to make them believe it's gonna be so yummy, even if it's something that you don't like? You may even put on a brave face and 
take a bite of something that isn't your favorite just to try to convince them that this is going to be good because you know that it's good for them. That may be what other people see when they look at your spiritual life. You might be saying one thing, but your life and your face and your actions look another way. For example, you may tell your coworkers that you're a Christian and that you love God and that you go to church every week, but then they see you filled with doubt, filled with disappointment, filled with anxiety, filled with unhappiness. How are they convinced of the Jesus that you want to introduce to them when they see the way you behave? Does your life reflect the Jesus that you want other people to see? I want those around me to know that God is God, that he is good at being God, and that he makes no mistakes. I want them to see him so clearly in my life, regardless of what happens, regardless of the struggles we face, regardless of the stresses that are going to come, and they are going to come, we can be guaranteed of that. I want them to see that he is in control and that I love and worship him despite what I'm going through. We need to stop living like this is the final stage of life. This is where we are just passing through. This earth is not our home. This world is not where we're staying. This is a small snippet of eternity. We have got eternity with our Father waiting for us. We need to stop being so concerned about what's happening in the here and now that we forget about eternity. We need to be eternal-minded. We need to be thinking about that life and what's coming with our Savior and stop worrying about what's not happening right now in our daily lives. There are so many Bible verses that you can look up about worry. Go to Google and do a search and find verses about worry. Find verses about casting your cares on the Lord. Find verses about being still before the Lord. Find verses about your heart being anxious. Write them on index cards. Put them in the notes section of your phone. Put them in front of you where you can be reminded that you do have a Savior who loves you and cares for you. And He wants to carry those worries and those concerns that you have. Let me read one verse to you as we close. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Here's what I know. I know that God sees a picture that we cannot see. While I can just see what is right in front of me, He can see everything. He knows things that are happening and He is orchestrating things today that I may not understand but therefore my good for something that's happening in the future. I pray that we can all get to the point where we have so much trust and dependence and faith in Jesus Christ that we are not consumed with worry and with anxiety, but instead we're trusting the Lord who loves us so much. Psalm 46, one says, He is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. 
It doesn't say he is a help when we do 14 things and if it's Thursday afternoon and if you've done your devotions that morning, it says he is an ever-present help in trouble. Today, run to that God. Ask him to take those worries from you. Ask him to help you to wake up not full of anxiety and frustration, but instead with a peace that today might be hard, but he is God. He is good at being God and he is in control. Thank you for letting me share this with you. Thank you for understanding the heart of where it's coming from and know that as a ministry, we pray for you so much. We understand the worries that so many of you face and we make prayer for you an important part of our day so that you can understand and grow and to know that God cares for you. As we close, let me read from 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12. And I want to just read this as a prayer over you. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the promises that are filled in this book. God, today there are so many who are hurting, and for the man or the woman who's listening and just overcome because they feel like they cannot go on because they're so full of worry. They're so full of anxiety over their current situation. God, I pray that they would just feel you drawing close to them today. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray that you would help them to see things the way you see them. Lord, I ask that they would be able to keep their eyes focused on you and not on their circumstances. Many are representing prodigals, whether it's a prodigal husband or a wife or even a prodigal child. And today we pray for those prodigals. We pray that they would just have a hole in their heart that only you can fill, Lord. I pray that they would have a desire to turn back towards home and that they would have a desire to restore the relationship that they have with their loved one. Lord, we know that you're able to do more than we can ask or imagine. And so, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to pray bold prayers and that as we see answers to those prayers, that we would give you the praise and the glory that you're due. Thank you for loving us, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to go through the different situations in life where you give us an opportunity to see your power revealed. Bless us today, God, in your name. Amen.
If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.